Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in, and I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully, we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, what I had come up in my heart uh, during worship, honestly, at the 830 service at our Highland Colony campus, uh, was the presence of God. And for us to take the time to get into his presence. We live in a world of convenience. I don't know if you've noticed that, but everything moves fast and we like it that way. Uh, we get very upset if service is not fast enough. Uh, we get uh, upset if the line around canes is not fast enough. Uh, we get uh, discouraged if the people you had scheduled to work on your house don't come out fast enough. We want our packages overnighted. Uh, we want our food heated fast. Our microwave broke yesterday, and we have no clue what we were going to eat because we value speed. And in our own life, we live in a world, and you and I do, that is incredibly distracted. Uh, many of you right now uh, at both campuses and many of you who are watching online still with, you know, COVID and all those other types of things have within your hands right now or in your lap or in your purse or in your, your pocket a device that majors on distraction. We don't want to see our problems, so we fix our eyes on everybody else's. Uh, we live in a virtual world versus a real one, and this device, uh, we can work on it 24-7, we can be entertained on it 24-7, um, we can uh, do social activities on it 24-7 through social media, we can engage in the lives of other people, which I'm still unsure of how I feel about that. Like, I can imagine if 20 years ago, I, I knocked on my, my ex-girlfriend's door and said, hey, I'd like to look through all of your old photos of, of you and, you know, those types of things, if that would be something that would be encouraged. Uh, I think not. Um, and out of that, we live in this world now that I genuinely... Um, believe we don't know how toxic it is and what it is doing to the overall deterioration of our souls and spirits. Because we move too fast. And our world is so filled with distraction and so filled with activity and so filled with speed that even in our, our relationship with God in its context, we seldom slow down enough to meet with him. Uh, that even in service, we value speed. And even churches value presentation over presence. Because we want it now, and we want to know how long will it last, and we have been pre-programmed to rush and to live in a, uh, a state where our adrenal glands and adrenal levels are through the roof with constant activity, so much so that the average American now fears silence. 
They don't want to be alone with themselves. Something has to be playing. Music has to be playing. A television has to be on. A voice has to be heard. Something has to get my attention or be in the background of my attention to distract me a little bit. And I don't even fully understand just how distracted I've become until I sit in a room for, say, three minutes without any noise in it. And then we see our soul does not like that silence. It wants to pick up the phone. It wants to check the social media because we have been trained for speed. We have been trained for distraction. And I genuinely feel like it is killing something in the fabric of our soul. We're talking about graves into gardens. God designed life to be beautiful. But what we see is we have a a world, at least our world as Americans, where we have more uh, than we could ever possibly imagine. I, I mean, you look at the technology we have, and you look at the food options we have, and the clothing options we have, but yet so many people are angry. And so many people are frustrated, and so many people are distracted, and so many people are depressed that we literally live in a world where our government can give us trillions of dollars and inject trillions of dollars into our world, but it doesn't impact the overall happiness level of the world. And I'm not saying any of those things are right or wrong. I'm just asking, what is happening to humanity? What is happening in our hearts where our lives are more filled with abundance and more filled with things and more filled with entertainment that I can remember to watch something on television, uh, you know, you'd have maybe six options or something like that, and now you've got hundreds of apps with endless entertainment, and, and even if you didn't want to watch the news, you have YouTube and like all of those things. You could get lost down that rabbit hole for a whole day, and not, let's not even talk about Netflix or Disney Plus or any of these other types of things that are there. And and what it equals is a world that is distracted but still unhappy. A a schedule that is full but drained. A, A heart that has so much around it but really not nourished, really not brought over into life. And I just sense as if God is saying, like, I want to to give a garden. Like, God's plan for Adam was to give him a beautiful garden. And by garden, I'm not just talking about God wants to fill your life with, like, carnations and magnolias. Um, Although I don't think he would mind. In fact, I think looking at a physical flower would be even more beneficial for your soul than looking at a digital one. That looking at a real person would be more beneficial than looking at a digital one. Uh, So I I think part of reclaiming your soul is replacing the digital with the real sum. And and to come back in into real conversations and, and, and real laughter and where you're not just laughing at someone's epic fell on Instagram, but you're actually holding a conversation where not only you, you're laughing, but you hear someone else laughing, and the difference that that does to actual joy. It's amazing. 
And so out of this, like, God designed this garden. In fact, God designed the Garden of Eden even before he designed man. He designed this place for man to abide and this place for man to dwell, and it was beautiful. And it was not without work where man could live in it without maintaining it. There was still this maintenance of this land, but it was a joyous work. Man's soul was filled with life. Man's soul was filled with God. It was filled with this, 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 this beauty where it just worked. Life was working. The garden had this system in it where it was perfectly watered every day. Like just this, this wonderful type system where the lamb is laying down with the lion, where there was no fear or shame or grief or heartache or pain or death or grave. There was only beauty and wonder and working and, and rhythm and peace. And this was always God's design for you. But yet, how many of us would look at our lives and say the rhythm is working, there is peace, there is joy, there is still waters, there is um, uh, this wonderful presence of God that saturates my life. And no, I'm not talking about rainbows and butterflies and unicorns in a world that doesn't exist. Once again, there would be a maintenance to this life. It's not like it just maintains on its own. There is some work that's involved, but it's work that you enjoy and fills your heart and nourishes you and gives you more life than it takes. And I wonder, like, when we look at this type of, we would call it like a utopia. It's like, how do we get there? And I think we're missing one key element, that our lives and our schedules are more full than ever before. Our entertainment is more full than it ever is before. Our, our, our schedules are more full with activities than ever before. Our kids have more going on in their lives than ever before. We have more going on on our phones than ever before. We have more going on in our nation than ever before. And out of this, our lives are feeling more and more empty, and it's because we have forgotten Genesis. We have forgotten where we have come from. We have forgotten what really matters. We, we say this, and we were singing this at the, the 830 service, uh, that I, I need your presence. It was in the song that we were singing of God, I need your presence. And I love the idea of presence because very few of us are actually present. Uh, I heard an old uh, gentleman years ago come to me and he was instructing my life and, and imparting to my soul and I, I regularly try to open my life to coaching and one of the things that he was explaining to me is he said, Joel, one of the greatest gifts you can give your children this Christmas is the gift of your presence. That so often times we think about giving them a present but the greatest present that we could give them is the gift of ourselves, the gift of our presence. And when you meditate on that, and I encourage you to meditate on that, I, in fact, I think uh, a lot of Christians have lost the art of meditation because uh, this has moved over into the Christian world where it's the next podcast and the next podcast and the next podcast. But how many of you know that one message done is better than a thousand listened to? And if you have something that speaks to you, it would be uh, worth your soul to go back and listen to it a thousand times until you became a doer of the word and not just a hearer of it only. 
And so I began to meditate on those things of the gift of presence, and I realized how few people are actually present with me when they're in my presence. How few people are actually present when they're present. I I encourage you to, to meditate on this today, even when you go home and notice a family that is present but not present. I encourage you maybe even to look at a restaurant the next time you go in and look at the other tables around you and see who is on their phone instead of looking at the the person who's across from them, that they're present, but they're not present. Because we have learned the art in our society to show up physically, but not show up mentally or spiritually. Because we've gotten so addicted to all of the information and all of the technology, and honestly, especially now uh, with with economics, all of the options that are available to us, that our soul soul is so filled with options that we're constantly looking for the next thing, because each time we explore what that could be, a rush of dopamine hits our system, and we find joy in it, and we become addicted to options, addicted to searching, addicted to looking to improve the next life, instead of being here. Here, present in this one. And so out of this, uh, this gift of presence is one of the greatest gifts that you could give me to be fully present in a time of need, to be fully emotionally there when I need you, for me to be fully emotionally and spiritually there when my children need me. That is a gift. And the reason why it's a gift is because it's precious. They don't have that. Your kids don't have that. Most of the other little kids that are around your kids, they're on their phones and video games and all those types of, they think they're with each other, but they're actually with the game playing it around each other. That there's not the gift of presence. So it's missing from our life. And the issue of this is God desires more than anything your presence. God doesn't need your presence. If God needed something, he would cease to be God, and the thing that he needed would be God. God doesn't need anything. He had everything. Think about it. God had the cattle on a thousand hills. God had uh, a foundation of, of, of seven different precious stones heaven is made out of, streets of gold, one gate of nothing but a giant pearl, angels circling around his throne. Had everything. But he wanted something more. And you know what it was? Someone to share it with. Someone to walk with. Someone to talk with. Someone who would wait on the Lord. Someone who would be still and know he is God. Someone that would sit in silence until they could hear a still and silent voice. That that they would have someone who would choose him. God desires you. I know I said this last week, but it bears repeating. God desires you. You know what God wants? It's not your perfection. He just wants you. He wants you to take the time to come and draw near to him. And the issue is with with modern day church, it takes about seven minutes just to warm up. And then by the time we finally alerted ourselves to actually what was going on in the moment, it's over and we're ready to move on to the next thing. We haven't learned the art of slowing down because everything in our world is fast. We've taken that over into our spirituality and we've taken it over into our churches and I'm telling you, it's killing something. It's making a grave where there should be a garden. God wants you. 
When I say he wants you, he doesn't want the perfect you. He doesn't want the the made-up version of you or the Instagram-filtered selfie you. God wants you. He wants the messed up you. He wants the the you who's not perfect all the time. He wants the you who makes mistakes. He wants the you who's riddled with sin. He wants you. Why? He's not sitting just on a throne of judgment. He's sitting on a throne of grace. And you can come to him in a time of need, in a time of sin, and receive mercy and grace in a time of need. Come on, church. Let's give it up for a God of grace. And you know why he sits on a throne of grace? So that you could freely at any time come to him. You can't use your sin as a reason why you don't. He sits on a throne of grace. You can't use your affair as a reason why you don't. You can't use your past, your addiction, your shame, the part of you you hope no one else sees. You can't use that as the reason why you can't come to God because God sits on a throne of grace and you can come to him at any time. God doesn't want your perfection. He just wants you. And I'm telling you, if you could give God you, you'd satisfy the greatest desire. Ooh, it'd be like you getting a new house. It'd be like you getting a new car. The greatest thing you desire, God says, that's how I feel about you. When you come home, I slay fatted calves, put ring on fingers, and clothe you with the best robes. I just couldn't wait to have you home. Your presence, your presence, it is absolutely... God's greatest desire. But his presence, his presence, it's your greatest need. People say, I need him. Well, do we? Yes. That's not just like uh, church speak. Let's go to the book of Genesis. We'll, we'll, We'll kind of open with this and close with this. If you don't know where Genesis is, welcome to Christianity. We're glad to have you here with us. It's the first book of the Bible, and in Genesis chapter 1, we see this in verse number 20. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life and the fowl that they may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Verse 21, and God created wells and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought forth abundantly. Now notice, where did the wells come from? They came from the waters. The waters brought forth the wells and all the other fish and whatnot abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after its kind, and God saw it was good. God blessed them and saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth, notice, let the earth bring forth, the living creature after his kind, cattle and every creeping thing, and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw it was good. Now notice verse 26, and God said, let us, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and all the earth, over the earth, and over everything that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now this is interesting. When God was making the fish and the wells, he spoke to the water and 
spoke and told and, and demanded, commanded that the water bring forth every fish, every well, um, everything that would live in the water. He spoke to the environment, and that environment became the source of life for the thing that came out of it. Uh, So if you take that well, if you've ever seen a beached well, like on National Geographic or something like that, it's it's one that is out of the environment that God spoke to. It's gotten out of that. It can survive for a minute. In fact, it might even like the difference of the, the sun resting on it fully. But if you take a fish out of water long enough, what's going to happen to that fish? You could build a sandcastle around it. You could show it everything beautiful around it. You could give it options to eat. I mean, you, you, could, you could lay out, I don't know what wells eat. I guess it's just all other fish and that kind of thing. Uh, you could lay it all out right there beside. Give them tons of options. You could give a well a ton of options to enjoy life. And he might enjoy it for a minute. But eventually, if he doesn't get back to the thing God spoke to that became its source, he is going to die. Even with all the options around him. You, when God created the cattle and everything that creeps upon the earth, dogs, cats, cows, all those types of things, he didn't speak to the water. He spoke to the earth. And he said, let the earth bring forth uh, everything that creeps upon the earth. Uh, we have two dogs. One I like more than the other. That's just the truth. Uh, and uh, the other one is a Yorkie, and they're skittish. I mean skittish. Uh, and uh, it, it went the, the bathroom on my prayer journal yesterday. Uh, and uh, you talk about getting in the flesh. Anyway, uh, so out of that, I have two dogs. The other one is a golden doodle. Uh, and uh, this one is just playful and that kind of thing. Well, we were sitting, I say we, my daughter was sitting with the golden doodle next to her on a, a body of water, and uh, across the, the, the water uh, were four German shepherds, and of course, they see my golden doodle, uh, well, I say mine, uh, they see my daughter and my wife's golden doodle, uh, and uh, they're barking, as you can imagine. I mean, like, just barking. And our golden doodle is, is still young and those types of things, so she's never been swimming before. So when she sees the water, she believes it's land. And so my, my daughter's sitting there next to the dog, and she's like, you're such a good dog because she's not barking or any of those types of things. The other dogs are running everywhere, acting crazy and barking their heads off. And she looks at Sadie and says, you're such a good girl because Sadie was just sitting there calm and level-headed and all those types of things. And as soon as she said, you're such a good girl, Sadie jumped up and tried to run across the water. She had a Peter moment where she just thought, you know, she could just, she didn't know the difference between this water and land. She had never been swimming before. And you could see just the panic this dog had when it realized this is not land underneath my feet. So for a minute, it was fun. She learned how to swim by fire, Uh, a baptism of fire, Uh, swim or die. Uh, And so out of this, she's swimming and she's actually kind of enjoying it. The issue is, is this body of water had a seawall around it. Uh, And so she couldn't get out in her own strength. And so after she was done having fun out of the environment that God made for her, 
And she realizes this, this moment is not going to end well unless she gets out of this environment. You could throw chew toys in the water, options for her to play with. You could throw her favorite toy in the water. You could dump the water filled with dog food where she had all of this option uh, around her for her to enjoy. But the panic would still be there. The gasping would still be there. The lack of peace would still be there, even with all of these other options around it. Because when God created that dog, he didn't speak to the water and tell it to bring forth that dog. He spoke to the land. And if she doesn't get back to the land, she'll die with options all around her, be panicked with options all around her, have no peace with options all around her. No matter what you throw at her. The only thing you've got to do is get her out of the water and back on the land. When God spoke to the well, he, when God wanted to create the well, he spoke to the water. When God wanted to create to the dog, he spoke to the land. When God wanted to create you, he spoke to himself. Oh, I got chills when I said that. He spoke to himself. And then he gave man a bunch of options, made a beautiful world, so many trees he could eat of, so many animals he could play with, so many things he could look at, so many, the, the places God made, look around the world, I mean mountaintops and valleys, and if, if you like desert, he made that. If you like the ocean, he made that. If you like a lake, a stream, a pond, he made that. You like lush green grass, he made that. You like seasonal things, he made that. You like rubies, he made it. Diamonds, he made it. Gold, made it. Platinum, made it. All of these things are God-made items. You, you, you want to take the tree and make you a chair? Make you a beautiful chair. God gave man options. But what was man's original sin? Options, exactly right. God, God, God created a world where man had options. He didn't need any of it to survive. All he needed was the presence of God. But out of this, when he saw in the garden all the options he had, he chose the creation over the creator. This was the original sin. I will choose to eat of the creation, to partake of the option at the expense of my relationship with the creator. And it killed something in his life. Ever since that time, man's been in desperate need of the presence of God. Saul's anointed as king. The presence of God comes into his life. He's changed into another man. He's speaking with the prophets. Everybody's like, what in the world happened to Saul? In fact, when they saw him, they said, he has changed into another man. Why? He's around the presence of God. He gets out of the presence of God, and all of a sudden, he's crazy. He's like a fish out of water. He's like a golden doodle in a lake. He doesn't know what to do. How do I get out of here? And he's panicked and he's freaked out and everyone can see the freak out. Everybody's wondering why he's so anxious. Everybody's wondering why he's so sad. Everybody's wondering why he's so disheartened. I'll tell you why. You know where Saul had the Ark of the Covenant which carried the presence of God out in the field somewhere? He inquired not of it. Never went to go get the presence of God to bring it back into his life. David comes in as a king, and David's first act of a, as a king is not to do anything else but go get that ark and bring it right back into the center of the kingdom. And when he brought back the ark of the covenant back into the center of the kingdom, he took off the garment of a, of a, a king and put on the garment of a worshiper and said, I'll not, do, I'll not to be too busy for God. We create so many systems for kingdoms. 
We talk about as a family, what we need is we need to find a new rhythm. We need to find a new pace. We talk about in business, what systems do you use? In church, what systems do you use? We need better systems. What, what type of system of blank and blank and blank is the best way for government and schooling and all these other types of things? We need a system. We need a system. We need a rhythm. We need a rhythm. You know what God says? He's like, all those things are good. It's good to have systems, it's good to have apples, it's good to have bananas, it's good to have all those types of things, but I'll tell you what, the lie that Satan told humanity was you need this. You need this. If you have this, you'll step it up to a new level. If you get this in your life, you need it, you need it, you need it. And God said, no, you don't need nothing but me. You can desire all these other things and that's fine, but I'm telling you, I am your greatest need. And God bless your little rhythm and your little system and all those types of things, But if you get God in that business, if you get God in that kingdom, if you take the presence of God and put it in Obed-Edom's house, all that's in Obed-Edom's house, it will prosper, it'll grow, it'll succeed like a fish in water, like a cow in a beautiful meadow. You take a Christian and you put them over into the presence of God. I'm telling you, things come to life again. Somebody says, I don't know what to do. Christ says, I'm the light of the world. The light will come on in your mind and you'll see what to do do. Someone said it's just so frustrating. It just looks like this job is a grave. God said I can make it a garden. Just ask Joseph. When Joseph was with me, even in a pit he had my presence, I took a pit and turned it into a palace. When you get the presence of God in your life, it changes everything. And somebody says, well, it just sounds so easy. It is. It would take a theologian to make it complicated. It's incredibly easy. But it's also at the same time very difficult in a world that says, pay attention to me when I beat, buzz, and vibrate. Pay attention, look, scatter, move on these things. And God says, be still and know that I am God. If you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I'm not in the earthquake. I'm not in the fire. I'm in a still, small voice. But Elijah, if you'll sit here still enough, I will meet with you. And when I meet with you, I'll give you food that you don't know not of. And you can go in the strength of this food for the next 40 days. Because Elijah, I'm telling you, what you need is an encounter with me. And we don't want that. We want to come in and we want to come out and we want to move on to the next thing. And God says, I think if nothing else, if this has shown the world, if nothing else, that you can flood everything with money and options and entertainment and all those types of things, but if you take God out of it, it'll still be a fish out of water. It'll still be a cow in the middle of, of, without land, that God is the center of everything. Upon this solid rock I stand, all other ground, it is sinking sand. Some sinks faster than others, but all other ground is sinking sand. As for me and my house, Joshua said, we will serve the living God. How do I turn a grave over into a garden? It's not with more options. It's not with the next app. How do I find that joy and peace? It's not with the next program that Netflix has cued. You know what it is? It's the Lord God himself. It's Jehovah, the one who is present. And I just want to encourage us today that we just end this service at both campuses just by taking a a time to get in his presence. So I'm going to ask Ryan, the campus pastor, uh, our our Highland Colony campus to come up, praise and worship team to come up. I'm going to ask the praise and worship team to come up on our stage here. And I just want to take a moment 
and for you to just dive into the presence of God, to just for the next five or ten minutes, to still your heart, still your mind, don't focus on lunch or how fast can I get out of here or what's the best way to escape, Uh, (laughs) that we just have a moment where I connect with the Lord God, where I just have a moment where I draw near to him and I ask him to bring rest to my soul and peace to my life. Let's stand our feet and let me pray for you. Father, I I thank you for each and every person that is in this place. I I thank you for each and every family. I thank you for each and every person. And Father, I thank you that you manifest yourself in a big way. That Father, as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And I, I ask you, Lord Jesus to bring life. Father, I I know that there have been some families in here that have been struggling. There's some moms in here who have been struggling. There are some fathers in here who have been struggling. There have been some businesses in here that have been struggling. There are people in here who are struggling. And Father, I thank you that your presence begins to Restore and bring Eden back, bring rhythm back, bring joy back, bring life back. That as we take the time to draw near to you, that you you and your amazing love would take the time to draw near to us. And Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name that just like David came in and brought the presence of God back into Israel and Israel flourished, That, Father, as we take the time to bring the presence of God back into our lives, that you cause our lives to flourish, you cause our lives to grow, and we see Eden just be manifested all around us by redeeming Adam's choice and choosing the creator over the creation and say, we choose you, Jesus. We thank your Lord for it. In Jesus' name, meet with us as we worship.